Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you came to us. You came and you saw into the depth of our struggles, of our deepest pain, and you healed us in every way that we needed healing. We thank you, Lord, for being with us in the depths and raising us up to the heights. Lord, may that be so this morning. May we receive you and one another. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, well, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? You guys remember? Jesus wept. Yeah, I think everybody knows that. <laughs> so uh, I thought about it. Maybe, maybe I'll make this one of the shortest sermons. That would be great, right? <laughs> but um, Jesus wept. That, you know, that sticks with you because it is so short, so terse. And it's, it's really surprising in the context of the passage that I just read. I find it really surprising because Jesus is the Son of Man, and that means he's, he's going to reveal the glory of God. That's what he's been promising um, in the lead-up to this, this section right here. And he's actually going to do a great miracle, which I just read, raising Lazarus from the dead. But he weeps before then. He weeps. And that just has struck me in this last, uh, particularly the last couple of years, that Jesus, who's going to solve the physical problem of Lazarus being dead, doesn't just say, hey, guys, just relax. Let me take care of it. Lazarus, get up. <laughs> he doesn't do it that way. He's so present. He's so with them. He weeps with them. He does a lot more than that. There's deep emotional presence, deep spiritual presence, and deep physical presence. In every way, Jesus is with Mary and Martha, the mourners, and Lazarus himself. He's with them. And so healing comes in every dimension of our humanity because of that. Jesus, we've been doing this series, uh, this series on growing, and um, I guess I would say today that if we really be with, we will also grow with. And what Jesus does is he brings the being of God to us and he is with us. And he brings that being into every aspect of the dying experience and the suffering experience that we have. The pain, the confusion, and also the literal deep problem of death itself. He is with us and so we can return to life. And so we can actually grow and we have the potential of rising up from one place to another and literally Lazarus from death to life. And we can certainly in every aspect of our lives that is emotionally, spiritually dead, rise up with him. And um, he is the resurrection and the life. And if we're with him, we're with life. I've thought about the... Um, the power of what Jesus has done. And almost exclusively until the last couple years, like I said, I thought of it as a resurrection story. As a resurrection story. But now I'm also seeing it as a, a healing story about how well Jesus does attuning to us. I think uh, there's a famous woman out there right now. She's, a, she's a, um, a psychologist. Her name is Brené Brown. And she talks a lot about empathy. 
It's another word for attunement. And she makes a distinction between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is, is this kind of almost condescending experience. I'm so sorry for you. And you feel almost patronized immediately. And there's a, a difference in power. And you don't feel like they're actually with you. And, but real empathy is like, that person is so with me that I can actually be with me now. That, that person's so with me that I can be at some level, maybe not out of my pain, but my pain will not destroy me because they're with me and they give me a kind of being that is conferred just by being with me. Well, how do you do that? I mean, I think there's different ways to do it. And I actually think it depends upon, well, we read a lot of interesting scriptures this morning. I think it depends on what's actually going on. There's a time for this, there's a time for that. I think it depends if you see David, he's actually weeping and he's crying out for the life of his son. And then when his son passes, then he moves forward, but he's very present at every moment. So circumstances change, but also the people that Jesus meets are different too. And a lot of them have patterns. One of the things we've been learning about our, in our groups this week is that we tend to have a preferred way of being. We tend to have a default mode, if you will, for how we experience life. And so one of the default modes is you tend to be much more energetic, right? And that's sort of the sympathetic nervous system, right? So that's fight and flight. And if you're upset about something and you tend towards this sympathetic, you're going to be angry more likely than not. If you're more inclined towards the parasympathetic, which that rest and digest part of being, and you need both, right, by the way, we, and we all have to have both, but if you're more likely to be in the parasympathetic mode, you might withdraw. You might say, I need to be alone, right? And you need to find a safe space. And I think we see in our culture right now, we see so much anger because <laughs> we've got a lot of folks who are stuck in the sympathetic way of being and we see so much um, anxiety and need for safety because there's a lot of folks stuck in sort of a parasympathetic way of being and Jesus knows how to deal with both. So whoever you are in whatever circumstance you're in, Jesus knows how to deal with both. He can be with you. He can weep with those of you who are weeping. And he can mourn with those of you who are mourning. He can rejoice with those of you who are rejoicing because he's tender-hearted, And he really can harmonize with you and not leave you alone in whatever state of being you're in. And if you can receive that, then you can also extend that. And you too can be tender-hearted and compassionate to others. You become a person who's tender-hearted and able to be with and to bring healing and growing to others because you too are alive and you're sharing that in the tender way. I keep saying tender. I'm doing that on purpose because Jesus doesn't respond rigidly in one way to everybody, right? He, he, he makes a big distinction based upon what's actually going on and who it is that he's dealing with. And I think the church often gets stuck at times in a really angry mode and it's like we, you know, get so caught up in the prophetic and we get so caught up in the morality of the right and wrong that we want to just shove it down people's throat. And there's lots of things to be upset about. There's lots of moral degradation in our culture right now. So we want, we get upset about it. There's lots of abuse going on. 
And that's, you know, we're angry about that. But if we get stuck totally only in that one way of being, that rigid way, then we can't meet people where they are. I, I think one of the, the issues that I have with so much of our discourse right now is it does get stuck in just this kind of, I just need safe haven or shape up or ship out, kind of. Like it's one or the other. And you see it in the social media and it's just so rigid. And it feeds into our politics, as if politics are going to heal. But we need politics. That's an important part of our culture. But so much of what we really need for healing is to be met by Jesus exactly where we are and for us to receive him being with us. I think a lot of times one of the reasons we can't receive him is because we can't be with ourselves. You know, we're, we're stuck in one mode that we're comfortable with and when all of a sudden we're in a situation that demands that we rise up and be intense, well, I'm more of a passive person, and then all of a sudden you can't function, you know? So we can't receive Jesus when actually that situation and even our own life condition calls for us to rise up and engage, do something, man, do something, you know? There are times when that's really how it's supposed to be. And if you don't do that at that moment, because that's the real thing, and that's where being actually is in that moment, then you're going to miss life. There are times to rejoice. There are times to dance. Like David was so present, right? He, he, we just read about him weeping, but there's that time when he comes into Jerusalem and he dances and he's celebrating with every fiber of his being, body, mind, and spirit, all of his emotions on full display really there, totally there. Man, I want to be there. I know I can only be there and really be with if I let him be with me. Probably especially in the things that I'm least comfortable with. So if you're least comfortable with that high energy thing that I just talked about, or if you're least comfortable with, you know what, it's time for me to get some quiet, silence, then you probably need to say, Lord, why is it that I can't go there? Maybe you can be with me there and help me to find the healing so that I can be this tender-hearted person who's very responsive to whoever I meet in whatever circumstances they are in, I can actually be present to them and their own need for me to attune to them. But it does start with us receiving Jesus. In our passage this morning from John, he, he deals with people in very different ways. So the first person he meets, it actually starts before the section that we read, is Martha. And what do you guys remember about Martha? She's, she's a doer. She's an action person. And um, so she goes out ahead and meets him on the road, and she engages him in a conversation, and she wants to know, like, Lord, you know, you could have been here, and this would have been different. And he, he talks to her at that level. He engages with her at that level of complaint. And he talks to her about the struggle that she has and the need that she has for him to engage at a high energy level way. And he does that. He talks to her. And he says, I'm the resurrection and life. And you're going to see the glory of God. Do you believe? Well, I believe that eventually he's going to be raised. No, I'm the resurrection and life. Do you believe? Yes, Lord, I believe. She's the first one to declare a belief in the resurrection and the life. This action person. She gets there. She does finally get there. But she needed him to engage with her in that kind of hands-on, interactive, energetic kind of a conversation. 
You have other people there too. Uh, Thomas, we didn't, I don't think we read this part of the book, but Thomas is there with Jesus and Jesus, before he gets to their hometown in Bethany, and it's a few days before this, and he says, we're not gonna go there, we're gonna wait on purpose. And he waits so long that Lazarus actually dies and he's telling the, his, his disciples, hey, Lazarus is dead. And then Thomas has this like really resigned way of behaving. He's very passive about it. He says, well, let us go die with him too then. And the reason I characterize it that way is I think I get Thomas. He's also the guy that didn't connect after Jesus died and he didn't know that he had risen again. He didn't show up in the upper room. He wasn't being with. His way of dealing with pain is to disconnect in a very passive way. And eventually Jesus deals with him in a very gentle way. You can touch my wounds. And I can be with you in a quiet way. Remember how Jesus meets him? He breathes peace again the second time to the disciples. And then he talks to Thomas. And it's a very tender meeting, but it's also an incredible revelation. But then you also have Mary. Mary's the one who anointed Jesus' feet. She herself is very tender. She's so relational. And uh, she needs Jesus in a different way. And that's what we see Jesus, really this tender-hearted, full-hearted man, being totally present. This is really important for us men. <laughs> As I think, I, I, I think the statistics bear this out, is that men tend to, and especially when you're young in marriage, for instance, you tend to want to fix problems, right? Your wife presents to you how painful her day was, how difficult it was, how overwhelmed that she may have been, if, especially if she's got little kids, that's often the case. And you get home and, and, and she starts to disclose her heart. She's sharing her pain. <laughs> And you just want to say, well, why didn't you do this? Well, why didn't you do that? You should have done this, you know, engaging her as if she's Martha, perhaps. <laughs> and, um, and so often what they just need is for you to listen and to really be with them in their unique expressions of pain or hurt and loneliness and just being beyond the, they're just overwhelmed, right? And what Jesus does is he does exactly that for Mary. It's a, I love the words that's used there. It's a, it's a, it's a word, it's, it's like a groaning word. He's deeply moved. That word comes up twice. He's deeply moved. And Mary is weeping and the mourners are wailing and he is deeply, deeply moved. It's so, it's like almost like a, it's so deep. It's the same word that we have that when Paul says that um, the, the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that are too deep for words, it's the same, same way of articulating pain and expressing pain. And it's so eloquent that Mary knows that he's with her. It's so eloquent. And he's also stirred up about it too. It's also stirred up partly because we see that there are some folks there that are kind of disdainful towards him. So he's, he's really fully identified with our problem of death and how horrible it is when we're torn away from loved ones and, and when they're torn away from us and when there's a break in relationship. He can, he can be with us in that deep groaning place. 
But he also, he also gets a little stirred up, and there's a little bit of a sternness about this too, because there's those who are saying, you know, you should have done it differently, Jesus. You should have done it differently. If you had cured, I mean, if you cured this guy who was blind, you could have saved him from dying. And, that, and he's a little stirred up about that too. There's a little sternness quality to how he, so it's very complex. He's actually dealing with genuine mourning, and he's dealing with some of these naysayers at the same time, and he's able to be present. And then ultimately, he raises Lazarus from the dead. So again, he's dealing with the spiritual problems of sin and condemnation, and he's dealing with the deep emotional problems of weeping and mourning, and he's also dealing with the literal physical problem of death. And it's a sign of what he wants to bring all of us into. I want to say that this is, is really important for each and every one of us first to receive and then to extend to one another is this way of being with. There's a guy named Paul Claudel. He's a, he's a, a theologian. And I, you've heard me quote this before, I think. But he says, all being is co-being. All being is being with. That's, we have no other way of being. And that's why if you really want to help somebody, you really need to be with them. You can't be at them. You can't be a physician who has no bedside manner, who's just going to fix the chemical imbalance and not actually deal with the person. You're actually going to ruin their health outcomes. That's what science shows us now. If you really want to help someone, you need to be with them. First of all, we need to let Jesus be with us, and he is deeply, profoundly groaning with us in the ways that we fear to groan actually stirred up a little bit for the parts of us that are shaming and condemning and judging. The sark that Father Steve talked about last week. He is really with us in those places that we're most uncomfortable. And he can attune to us and harmonize with us and then not just leave us there but bring us forth like he did with Lazarus. I thought about the people who've had the most influence in my life. And the people who've had the most influence in my life are folks who could really deeply be with me. I don't think, I mean, a lot of them had wisdom, but I don't remember a single, like, that's like an aphorism and a word of wisdom I'm going to remember and share with everybody from now on. I mean, there's probably one or two of those things, but I honestly couldn't think of that this week. It wasn't the guy who came in and said, I'm, I'm going to help you do this, this, and this, and if you do just all this stuff, then, and that's, boy, I love this man. I'm so grateful for him the rest of my life. Now, I like those guys. They're kind of consultants and they're technicians and they're helpful for fixing stuff. <laughs> and I do want people to fix stuff. Like if, if I have a broken arm, I want some guy to get in there and reset it. And that's going to take some energy, right? I'm not disdaining that. But what I am saying is the folks who have the most influence on me and who I am, and the healings that I've experienced, it's been people who, weren't, who were able to be with me even when I wasn't with myself. I think of my, one of my very first counselor as a, as a young married adult. His name was Jim. And he, he actually brought me to a place of healing at, at part of my soul where I had lacked attunement from a key person in my life. Actually, I've told this story before. My mother of blessed memory even gave me permission to tell this story because it, it, was, it ended up being a profound healing experience for her as well. But there was this time where I was sitting, no, standing at the bus stop. And I had this brand new Nike bag and I'm hanging out with all of my friends, waiting for the bus. Do you remember this, Dad? Remember this story? 
Well, you'll remember in a second. <laughs> and this dog comes up and pees right into the pocket of my Nike bag. All right? Now he remembers. I was 13. The worst time of your life to have something like that happen. I was horrified. I was so ashamed. I immediately couldn't speak. I had to pick up my bag and run home. And I didn't go to school that whole day. But I, I, was, I was so ashamed. And I went home. And mom initially was, she was pretty good about it. But I was so stubborn because I was actually angry too. I guess that's a complex emotion, right? It's, it was a little bit of shame and anger. It's kind of like a humiliation emotion. And at a certain point, my stubbornness and my anger, I'm never going to use that bag again. My mom got really angry. And she was so angry, she tore the bag apart. And I th had this experience of like, of, of like looking through the opposite end, end of a telescope. All of a sudden, I am like withdrawn way back in. So my mom wasn't able to attune to me in that moment. And so I had to completely disconnect into a, a passive place of safety, right? And uh, later on, I found out that probably one of the most difficult emotions for my mom to deal with because of her own suffering when she grew up was humiliation. That combination of shame and anger was so hard for her. Later on, she did grow in her capacity to do that because she started to receive healing from Jesus. And, and I received healing from Jesus from my therapist, Jim. So I'm telling this story, and I'm telling it, and I'm laughing, right, because it's a little bit funny, because it is a little bit funny. But Jim, he started to tear up. I'm like, whoa, what's, where's that coming from? That was, that was really, he was actually letting me know that I could, I could hurt there and that he was with me in that pain, in a deep pain that was deeper than I was able to be with. He could have so attuned to me in that place of my suffering. And he said, you know, this is exactly where Jesus wants to be with you. Your mom, she didn't handle that right. That's hurtful. Maybe the outer circumstances are funny, but boy, does that hurt. And his ability to be present with me brought me so much healing. I didn't even know I needed that healing. I knew that I'm just uncomfortable with certain kinds of emotion, humiliation. Who likes humiliation? <laughs> That's a really tough one. But every single person that I can think of who's really had a huge influence on my life, they were able to be with me, be present to me the way that I needed to. I could come up to... Uh, Father Christian up in Minnesota, he's the kindest pastoral guy, I think, that, who, who's a, in leadership in our diocese. He's got to be one of the most tender-hearted guys. I came up, I started to talk, I couldn't even talk. I was asking for prayer in one of our many services at the cathedral, and I, and I just break down and start crying. <laughs> and he starts crying with me. He doesn't even know what to pray, because <laughs> I can't talk. And, but it didn't matter the words at, the, at that time because Christian was weeping with me. He's providing such a deep healing. Later when I could talk, he actually gave me some, some good words that were helpful too. It was a deep healing because he was able to be with. And I grew because of that. I want all of you to let the Lord be with you in the places that you're most uncomfortable with. Let him attune to you. Let him connect to you there. 
And um, may we all ask God to help us be with one another. Wherever we are, whatever situation we're in, no matter how difficult the emotion is, I want us to be a place where they say of us, look how they love each other. Look how Jesus loved Lazarus. That's what they used to say to the early Christians. Look how they love each other. Because they could be with. That's what compassion is. May it be so. It may be true of us that we would really be the light of Christ in this way. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.